Tuesday when we were together for our fall fest we uh, Fitz kicked it off talking about sort of diagnosing our numbers and what we were seeing as an organization is if we could um, do a better job at actually closing in the home that we could overnight double um, the production coming in which meant you could double your income um, and what that means is when you go sit in a home, and in fact, I was looking at it just today, I think, so the 13-week the tracker showed us at a 61% um, close rate. We want 100%. So for every appointment that you're sitting in, we want you to pick up one app. That doesn't mean you close every single appointment. It means you might close two apps in a home, but overall, it should average out to an a, app and appointment. So we would notice over the 13 weeks of the third quarter of 2021, we were at 61%. So we're doing everything we can right now to train on and to improve and to get that number up. Well, I noticed this morning, I did the math real quick, just on today's team and we were at those that reported their numbers, we were at 71%. So we were already working our way up. Um, but I also just looked at those top six that we just heard from. And I, um, I think we were in, they were in like a B range, maybe 85, 87%, something like that, um, that the top um, five, six at that moment um, had their, the numbers of their close. So we are already seeing some improvement just from last Tuesday, which is tremendous. Um, and today what I wanted to do is just take a few minutes. I'm going to do a little bit of a review of what I did talk about last Tuesday. And then I've got two additional slides where I want to go a little bit deeper on how you and what we're going to talk more specifically about is how to identify what is the personality type of my client and how do I more effectively connect and close based on that personality type. So that's what we're going to go just a little bit deeper into today. Let me start by saying I am not an expert in this field. I am not a sociologist. I'm no Adam Grant. I don't have degrees. I've not studied immensely. I just have a personal story where I feel like because I've studied these things about myself, I first learned myself a little bit better. I'm not saying I'm an expert on myself either but it made me that much more aware of how to understand other people. And I feel like it's helped me become a better communicator. I also feel like it's freed me personally to be me. I'm a lot more kind to myself and a lot more um, bold in certain scenarios and a lot more willing to hold back and do that more freely because I feel like I, I know me better. And then I'm not offended at other people when they're more bold or holding back because I'm like, hey, let them do them. Let them be them. Um, so this is all that we're trying to do is mature and grow. I just want you to have that same experience so that not only do you become more effective in your spheres of influence, in your family, in your communities, but mostly what we're after here collectively is to help you close in the home, to help you make more money in this business because you've learned how to connect with clients. So here we go. Some of these slides will look familiar to last week. So we're getting started with just this first slide that's just talking about why 
Why do we do this? Do you believe that you have a unique way of engaging with the world? Do you actually believe that? And the reality is, to some extent, sometimes we don't believe that. And we've, we fall prey to thinking we see someone else who's walking in their strength and we're, we're, we feel inferior or we feel envious or we feel less than. And it, it causes us to shrink back. And if we choose instead in those scenarios to look at it like, well, I have a unique way of engaging with the world. They're just capitalizing on their unique way. I want to grow and maximize my unique way of engaging with the world. When we look at it differently, um, it helps us to then look for opportunities for how to, to um, grow our strengths. When we look at it the other way, what happens is, and it talks about it here on these slides, is we look at it like there's something wrong with, our, with us. We have a weakness. We need to remediate ourselves. We need to fix ourselves. And when we look at it that way, you're already coming to it from a place of defeat. Instead of going, hey, look, I have a toolbox just like everyone else. All I got to do is figure out how to use the tools. And we can now appreciate the fact that someone else is doing something well instead of feeling inferior or rejected on the inside personally. So that's kind of step number one of coming at this like, hey, you have your own unique way too of engaging. You are worth uncovering your strengths. You're worth maturing them. Your strengths are tools that can be used to create a desired outcome. They can also be used unintelligently. So if you think of it like a tool, think of it like a hammer. You know, a hammer is an amazing tool for building a structure to protect you, right? You can take wood, take nails, use a hammer, put it together, and now you could protect yourself from a storm. That's an amazing way to use that. But you could also use it to hit your thumb, you know, when you're building that. And that's an unintelligent, painful way to use a hammer. So in the same way, we, our strengths, sometimes we can use them unintelligently. But it's just, a, again, it's, it's a way of looking at it differently and going, okay, I'm not a huge failure. I don't, I don't have this massive weakness that I'm never going to overcome. It's just simply, wow, I have this strength. I just used it in the wrong way today to cr create an undesired outcome, an unintelligent outcome. But I can do better and do different tomorrow as I continue to master my unique way of engaging with the world. And I love her at the very end of the slides, it just talks about the importance of maturing those strengths. So we've often seen people who can do something incredibly well with their strengths, but they also have areas of gaping areas where they are using it unintelligently. For example, a lot of us probably know a lot of, you know, type A personalities that have been very successful in the business world, but can't seem to manage or run their own family life very well or peacefully. Well, why is that? Well, they clearly have some people skills. They're using something to become a CEO of a company, but they're not applying it intelligently at home. So, but the higher we go as we develop as leaders, so we could come in and, and, and develop a strength that helps us become excellent in the field and connecting with clients, but we could still fail or need to learn fail is the wrong word, that's going back to remediation. We could still use that strength unintelligently when we're trying to build a team. And it can hold us back sometimes in moving up as team leaders, agency managers, building an agency, even though we're effective in the field. 
So it's just a way of understanding how we look at our strengths. And it might be a way of you right now looking at your business and saying, well, gosh, I'm doing great in this area, but I'm struggling in these other areas. Maybe I need to think about how do I mature my personal strengths in order to be more effective in this other area. Because the higher we go, the less grace that that we have in our lives for using our strengths unintelligently. It holds us back. Okay, so I, um, I just chose DISC because it's just a very um, simple way of, of having four personality types um, that kind of, and you all know, again, if we're talking about a unique way of engaging with the world that we, and then all of a sudden we put us all in four categories, well, that's, that doesn't, those two things don't, don't mesh. But um, at the same time, it is a great way because we do tend to just our um, kind of 50,000 basics of our personalities, we do tend to fall into, um, we have really a mixture of these, but we lean more towards one. So uh, I just want you guys to take a look at these. I'm going to read through them and I take a minute just to think about yourself and where maybe circle um, or write down in front of you. When I look at this list of strengths, which ones do I connect with? Now, so the D and the I, dominance and influence are right there. Dominance are your more kind of what we often coin as type A personalities, assertive, direct. They tend to be a catalyst for change. They have strong administration and delegation skills. Um, they're independent and they're competitive. Um, you know, I think honestly just seeing Michelle and I and I know under the surface Michelle is a strong D um, but even when she's just like I don't know my office did that right like that's strong administration and delegation skills right there girl so you go um, influence enthusiasm persuasiveness friendliness ideation stimulating communicative I instantly think of people like like on our team like Marty and Joanne and they are high eyes that bring enthusiasm into an into a meeting and just make it that much more engaging um, so think about if that's some of your strengths as well steadiness is calming sense of stability a strong team player, easy to be around, or a peacemaker. Uh, I personally fall into steadiness. Um, I bet probably like Eva, I think about probably Mike Alleman too. He's probably, he's definitely that calming force. Um, I do think that from what I've read and understand that steadiness tends to be the most popular, like probably like 60% of people are typically high S's. It's what they call it, it's the term they use. Um, and then compliance. Compliance are people who are accuracy, dependability, independence, clarification skills. In other words, they're good at clarifying things. Um, focus on expectations and outcomes. Um, they, are, they do things with excellence, perfectionists. Um, usually like accountants, you know, tend to be more high in the um, compliance. Um, honestly, in our industry, we probably a lean towards DIs tend to be more successful in sales, but I, I'm always like, I hate that concept because I think it pigeonholes people. And I've seen plenty of S's and C's be great. And in fact, we're gonna dive into why there are so many wonderful reasons why S's and C's can do way better than even D's or I's. So I would never ever say that, a, that, that um, one of these personality types is better in this industry than another. Again, this goes back to, it's more about how do we 
use our strengths, that toolbox, to engage effectively with the clients to do that in a way that gets us a desired outcome. Okay, so then we're going to move on to um, the misuse of those strengths. So, and this is just, again, most likely you pair up. So if you found that you had more I or more S or more D, then most likely what you're going to find is you choose right now um, which particular misuse of the strengths are more common for you. You're going to find that um, you probably line up and pair with... Um, with the strengths. So the dominance, they do tend to be a little more impatient, stubborn, controlling, and sensitive. Um, influencers tend to influence, tends to get too involved sometimes, can be impatient with things that require sustained effort uh, or shorter attention spans, can sometimes appear inauthentic or be overly talkative. Um, steadiness or can be conflict avoidant. They internalize, they tend to withdraw, they feel overwhelmed easily. People who are, um, have compliance strengths can sometimes become off as self-reliant, skeptical, have the paralysis of analysis, really slow to make a decision, um, and be very critical not only of themselves but sometimes of others. So take a minute and just, I, this, these two slides are really about you getting a second to think about, okay, where do I fall in these categories? What strengths do I have that I do apply when I'm out selling in the field, and what perhaps misuse of those strengths are causing me at times to miss sales. You know, like I think, for example, if you are an S like me, you might have a hard time being bold enough in the home. It might be hard to really ask for the sale. You might feel like, because you might feel like you're creating conflict with the client and that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, if you're an I, you might find that you could be, um, maybe you're talking, just simply talking too much and not listening well enough, not allowing the client to talk. You know, you might, that may have cost you some sales. Um, D's, maybe you're moving too fast for people. You know, and C's, maybe you're, um, I think a C sometimes is too focused on perfectionism and um, maybe you're not stopping to connect with the client and pay attention to what the client needs because you're too focused on making sure everything is in line from your perspective. It's kind of that concept of um, not really listening to what the client is saying to respond to the client, but you're so busy internally figuring out what you're gonna do and say next because you're so focused on making sure everything runs perfectly in an appointment. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's looking at it from yourself. That was just taking a few minutes to think about, okay, what are my strengths? How has that helped me be effective in the field? How could that possibly be holding me back in the field when I misuse those strengths, that I could mature that strength to become more effective? Um, another, now that we've looked at ourselves and we go, okay, I have a better clarity of myself, it does make it easier now to look at that from the perspective of, okay, well, what are my clients' personality types and how do I communicate more effectively with them based upon their personality type? So, okay. How can you identify these personalities on a sales call? So here are some behaviors that you might find in your clients that might help you identify. 
So, and this is compliance and steadiness is right here. So this is, and the, you'll often see that C's and S's kind of get paired together and D's and I's get paired together. Um, actually, well, let's see. Let's see if I can remember this. Ooh, I'm going off my, so the D, nah, I'm not going to go into all that. I'm going to complicate it. Let's just stick with this. Okay. C's and S's are together here. So C's and S's um, tend to be, um, ask a lot of questions. They speak softly. They move slowly. They don't make a lot of direct eye contact. Maybe they're slower to do eye contact. They tend to lean back in their chair. They're more laid back. They don't use as many hand gestures. They're more patient. They're more cooperative and they're more calm. Now, what I like about this slide is not only, first of all, is it helping you I maybe quickly identify, okay, my client leans in this direction. So this probably is already giving me, like I already know probably what some objections might come up. We're going to talk about that in a minute based upon their personality type. But the other thing I like about it is it's reminding you of a sales technique that Fitz has taught us over and over again, which is called mirroring and matching. So this is another important technique that if you've got someone that's leaning back, laid back, moving slower, calmer, then you definitely need to be aware that you are mirroring some of those same behaviors. And we're going to talk about why in a minute. And we're going to talk about why it is that they display those behaviors. So then let's just take a minute then and look at dominance and influence. So these are people who will tell you things. They'll speak loudly, fast movements, direct eye contact, lean towards you, animated hand gestures. They'll tend to be more impatient, competitive, excitable, enthusiastic, and outwardly positive. I would also venture to say that most likely if you are getting like cursed out or really like someone's coming in aggressive the minute you get on the phone with them, probably a D and I, one of the two. Your C's and S's are probably more your people who are, again, they're immediately on the phone. They're just, they feel a little unsafe. So they're slower to speak and respond to you. And they don't always know exactly what they want to say. They might hang up on you still, but they just say nothing and go click and hang up. Your D's and your I's probably add a few words in there before they hang up on you. But obviously, if you get an appointment and you feel them moving you along, you feel them talking to you, okay, okay, let's get to it. They're leaning in. They're super enthusiastic. They're gregarious. You're dealing more with the D and I. So hopefully already you're quickly identifying clients that you sat with this week. So let's just talk about how we are more effective than closing in the home. Okay, so how to sell by personality type. So this, my husband was quick to tell me, this is a lot of information on a slide. So I know for a lot of you, you're gonna like maybe tune out from me because you're already reading. But I'm gonna walk through again, the four different personality types and what's here and just talk it through with you. Because again, I'm hoping to um, maybe even trigger like, hey, I missed that sale in the last week or two, and now I'm identifying why, and you could call that client back and perhaps make a sale. Or you're in the home this week or in the weeks ahead, and there's something here that helps you make a better connection with your client because you're more aware of how to identify why it is they're responding and doing the things that, they're, that they do, which makes it easier for you then to overcome those objections. Okay, so let's start again with the dominance. So how, what do they like in a sale? 
So they appreciate efficiency. So now, again, I'm not an expert here. So I actually, in making this statement, I leave room for Fitz or one of you top producers to correct me. But we spent a lot of time last Tuesday talking about the power of building emotion in a home. Because this is an emotional sale. Every time they see that, that draft coming out of their account, we want them to trigger back and go, oh, right. That is so that my son or daughter, you know, has a secure future. I know they're going to go to college. I know they have a home to live in. I know that they're cared for. We want them to go back to that moment because you built it. However, when you're dealing with D's, and you try to go in too quick for the emotion, and you haven't yet gotten into the important details, they may quickly disregard you. They may quickly be like, come on, you need, I, I get what you're trying to do, let's move on. They're going to be very assertive with you and really try to shut down you building emotion. So this is where my suggestion is when you find yourself dealing with a D, um, I would actually, they appreciate efficiency, they like professionalism, they want to know what the return on the investment is, so they, wanna, they want to feel like you're coming in and you are competent in what you're talking about. But yet, at the same time, they are to because of that competency, they are totally fine with you saying to them, I don't know the answer to that, I will get back to you. What they do not like is for you to be too slow to answer all like, I don't really know. They like direct eye contact. They like to know that you are confident in the things that you are saying to them. And so the point is not so much that you need to know everything, but that you need to be willing to say to them, I don't know everything, but I'll get that answer to you. That's how D's like to be dealt with. And the thing is, I think once you get to that point with them that you've answered their initial questions well enough, then I think you have an opportunity to go, okay, I answered your questions. Now I need you to tell me why this is so important to you. And you now have an opportunity to talk about the emotion and build the emotion. Um, again, eye contact. Oh, and I like this one. D's like to feel like they're in control. They want to know that they don't want you to be in control of the appointment. They want to be in control of the appointment. And so to some extent, you've got to find a way to hold your confidence and your professionalism, but let them think it's their idea to make this sale. That's how D's like to be sold. I'm married to a D. I know how to sell a D. So, um, Okay, and so let's move on. Influence. So when you're dealing with influencers, they like the stories. They want to know how your product has changed someone else's life. They love the human factor of, of these sales and how what they're doing is good, not only for their family, but for the common good. They, um, they want to know about the client who, um, you know, that you last week had to deliver the death claim to. That moves them. Stories are great with influence people. Um, emphasize ongoing relationship and customer service. Michelle Alleman is a beast at talking about this and staying in touch with her clients. In fact, it's like one of the biggest concerns for her right now is who's keeping up with my clients. Um, but this is really important to um, influence people. They want you to emphasize that and talk about that. Don't focus too much on um, facts and figures. So with them, this is in contrast to a D or as you're going to see us talk about with a C, they do, of course, care about it, but they've probably not done any real research ahead of time, like on the product or on the rates, things like that. So while that is important, um, they are more emotive. They are sold. They literally are sold on emotion. 
Um, they're great when you're dealing with them to make sure that you are summarizing along the way and constantly getting their buy-in. So you're con and we talk about, again, this is a great technique that we've talked about before, but this is particularly effective with eyes when you're like, oh, this looks really good, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Mr. Smith? Doesn't this look awesome? Won't this be really great for your family, Mr. Smith? Can't you now see that your family is well protected, Mr. Smith? Constantly getting there engaged and asking them questions and getting them involved and yes answers. And at the very end, it just says there, it says make a direct close. So you can be direct with eyes um, and reassure them of how they've made a, tr a great decision. Just like I was just saying, don't you see now how good of a decision this is that you just made? You're now part of our community. You're now part of, you know, the Forester's family. You know, all those things. Those are things that eyes love to know that they're a part of the Forester's community, how they go and they do service projects and all of that kind of thing is really helpful with eyes. And so, and again, your D's and I's are your ones who are faster moving, faster talking, leaning in. Typically, they dress in bolder colors. You can almost tell sometimes just simply by the clothes that people are wearing by is, will tell you a lot about their personality type. So pay attention to those things and try some of those techniques this week with D's and I's. So here we're going to talk a little bit about um, S's and C's. So steadiness and compliance. So these are the people, remember, that are more laid back. They're less trusting. So building trust is so important, particularly with a steadiness. So building trust and rapport, which again, this was a huge topic last Tuesday about how to build rapport. Um, I'll, I mean, uh, Stephen Davies talked about the power of the three C's, which all of a sudden, now that I've mentioned it, I don't have to remember them. I know one of them was comedy, oh, compliment, and commonality, those were the three. He said, compliment them, find something in common, and, um, and use comedy. That's S's all day long are gonna respond to those three C's. Um, and the great news is you probably, majority of your clients, like I'm saying, are S's. Uh, they like to see a vision. They like to see themselves in the future. So you're helping pitch them a vision of what this product is gonna do for them. Um, tell stories of why other clients chose your product. So this is another one that Fitz has often taught us, like the, the third party, like, um, what do you call it? The third party verifier. So um, they like to know that other people think this product is awesome as well. That is a selling point for them. They also like, like they, if they're in the home, let's say um, it's a mom and she's got a grown son. She wants her grown son's approval if she's an ass of the decision that she's making. She wants to know the people around her think she's making a good decision. That helps her build the sense of trust and security. Um, they want you to be an advisor through the process. So you're advising them and consulting them. Um, because, and I talked about the validation of a third party, knowing that they can cancel at any time. This is, <laughs> Again, this is me, so I love, I mean, I'm always asking, what's the, what's the exit strategy? I'm always wanting to know, what is my exit strategy every time I'm making a sale? You know, like, I'll never forget, like, driving my car off the lot for the first time. I mean, I can take it back if I need to, right? Like, I just need to know, and I've never taken the car back. Owned it forever now. So, uh, but something in that sense of security. So sometimes with S's, it's good to let them know, hey, we can call and cancel. Let's get, it, um, let's get this submitted. Hey, it never hurts to get it submitted. You're covered now that it's submitted, and we can always call and cancel in a few days. They're probably not gonna cancel. 
as long as they trust you, but they just need to know that they're allowed to. It makes them feel more secure. Um, compliance. So compliances do not like to be rushed or pushed. So this is where, for example, if you are an I, you might have a lot of like rub with a C because do not rush me, do not push me. They come across, they probably can come across cold. Like S's will be really warm. They're just probably really um, have a tendency to give you think about it. I got to think about it because they don't trust. Um, so you need to ask deeper questions. Sorry, I just skipped back to S's, but you need to ask more questions if, you're, if they're not trusting to find out what it is that they don't trust. But with C's, they can tend to just sort of, they're just not as, they'll just kind of go cold on you, like, mm, mm And they do not like to be pushed. So you've got to let them move at their own pace. You've got to be ready to be patient, to answer all of their questions. They care about the details. They've already researched you. They've already researched your product. They already know the high-level things. They want to know now about how this customizes to them and perfectly fits their needs. And, they, and you need to be prepared to talk to them about the things that are important to them and be patient with them. And, and again, I, I, we will re, I will remind you, you don't have to know all the answers. This is what the 411 is for. This is, what the, the, this is what the team is there for to help you find the answers. But it's about a willingness to be patient through the things that concern them so that you can help answer all of their questions. Don't lose credibility by flattering. They can read through that muck quick. So kind of going back to the CCC, you need to make sure, and Stephen talked about this, that you're genuine in the things that you're saying to them because they'll, they'll sniff out the flattery really too quickly and they will instantly not trust you. They are sticklers for timeliness and neat and tidy. So if you're showing up and you're all disheveled and you don't have your papers together, that's instantly a little bit of a red flag to a C because they don't operate that way. And they assume already that you've lost credibility or that you don't know what you're talking about if you can't show up timely and orderly. So I hope that those, um, that, that discussion has helped you to where you might be able to identify this week when you're dealing with a client of ways that you might be more effective at connecting with that client based upon their personality type. So to close us down today, this is the final um, slide or just a challenge for you to really, it's kind of like at the beginning of when we were talking about Jeff Bright, I really love the first question he asks of, do you want to sell insurance, life insurance? I love that question because of course it just seems like, well, of course I do. But the reality is if you're not out there making dials and talking to clients, you might actually not want to. Because your actions are actually revealing what it is that you believe. So again, I wanna challenge you today to believe a little deeper that you are worth uncovering how it is that you engage uniquely with the world. And the more that you learn to value yourself in that way is the more that you will learn to value other people and therefore be more impactful and how you connect and, and move the hearts of other people. Um, so, and here are just a few ways that you can challenge yourself to do that. And one of the challenges here is asking, your, asking 10 colleagues to give you stories of when they thought you were at your best. 10 colleagues, friends, family members, when were you at your best? Because that will help you in the self-discovery process when you begin to realize, well, this is how other people see me at my best. 
You get to step outside yourself and have people giving you perspective from the outside looking in. And the other thing is in that process, so you've got to develop the attitude of a wise person can receive correction. Because again, what happens in this process is you begin to realize that sometimes I'm misusing my strength and you don't even know that you're doing it. But we have to care enough to want to know, even though it hurts. Because as we uncover it and we start realizing, oh, I can use this strength more effectively, that's how we'll begin to mature our strengths and begin to grow. So let me ask you one more time. Do you think uncovering your unique way of engaging with the world is worth doing? Is that worth it to you? Um, I hope so. I hope after going through all this with you today that you feel more um, inspired and more um, educated to go out there and be more impactful in the field this week. But I also hope that it encourages you in your communication, not only with yourself, but with your close friends and your family to help improve those relationships so that they're, they're are more meaningful to you as we're walking through life together. So um, can't wait to hear the stories of how this is helping and affecting you. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with the Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.